This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Amen and amen. Are you guys ready for the word today? I'm ready for the word today. I'm going to be preaching to myself. I I promise you that this topic, we had one more week in the stewardship series, but God said, nope, do this one. And I'm like, well, okay. And as I was studying and preparing and going over notes, I realized I was preaching to myself. So allow me to preach to myself today. And if God blesses you as well, then praise God. But I know he's going to bless me. I'm speaking today on this question. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever been just, I just can't take it anymore. I can't handle it. I'm overwhelmed. I can't take any more of it. I can't because if I do, I'm going to go crazy. Something's going to happen. I'm overwhelmed. And there's only one thing. And I want to take us to the scripture today to see what God says about what to do when you're overwhelmed. And so I asked that question, have you ever felt that way? And maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt overwhelmed. And if so, then, 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 then by God, I'm going to preach to myself. But I know I have had times in my life where I've been overwhelmed. And it's been too much to bear. And, and it's that feeling that there's more coming at you than you can possibly handle. Do you ever feel that way? And, and, and I'm not saying this has ever happened. So don't take me at my word for it. But have you ever left church without your kids? I'm not saying it's ever happened to me. I'm just just asking the question, have you ever left church without your kids? I'm going to have to tell myself for just a moment, brand new dad now for the third time. Our our baby girl has just been born. And Aiden and Israel were used to having two kids. It's man-to-man defense, right? Megan takes one, I take one, and we can cover it. But then the third one comes, and it's not man-to-man defense anymore. Now, Now you're playing zone defense, and you're like, okay, where are they? Because there's too many kids and there are adults and we're, we're trying to make it work. And during this kind of season, we were living in Alabama at the time and Eliza was born. By the way, I love being a dad to a little girl. What a blessing. What amazing. I don't know if any of you dads have some uh, girls out there, but it's the greatest blessing any dad can ever have is to have a little girl. But we're, Megan and I are both sleep you know, deprived and we've not gotten much rest. That happens when you have small kids, by the way. You're sleep, we're, we're sleep deprived and, and we're just, we're long days and long nights and, the, and Eliza just won't sleep. She wants to be in the bed with us and, you know, it's just those times where you just suck it up and you just deal with it. And I was a youth pastor, Megan taught school, so both of us were in full-time jobs and both jobs required some hours after work too so we're 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 really busy and just happened to me because of my position not only in church but in the state as well I was on the Isla board which is basically the youth leaders board within that state and so I'm serving on that and we're right in the middle of youth rally season well, if you know if you're on youth boards or anything like that, come youth rally season, you're expected to be there. I'm on the youth board here in this region, and we have one tonight in Shawnee that I have to be there for. So it's just one of those things that you that you do. 
But we're sleep deprived. We're, mid- we're in the middle of a youth rally season. And not only are, do I have to be there, but I'm hosting it. So now we're sleep deprived. We, we've not gotten any sleep. Now I have to be at the church early. I have to set up. I have to clean up. Just had a great service that morning and got to make sure everything's ready. The guest speaker's coming. We got drama teams that I've set up, bands that I have set up. And we're, we're having to do all of this. And I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm lucky to even be there at that point. Because my eyes are heavy. Have you ever been so tired where your eyes are heavy and you're doing this number? You're like trying to force them to be open? I'm seriously, I'm, I'm sleep deprived and I'm overwhelmed at that point. I'm overwhelmed because I'm doing too much. I'm doing too much. And it's weighed down on me at that point. So we, we go and, and, and we're hosting this event, running 100 miles an hour with no gas in my tank. My body is tired. Have you ever tried to drive your car with no gas? Don't work very well. In the same way, in in the spiritual world, you can't give to somebody what you don't have. If you don't have it inside of you to give, then you can't give it. I was spiritually drained. I was emotionally drained. My body was drained. I had nothing to give. And see, on top of that, after emceeing the night and doing everything that we had to do, the night was over, and I'm like deep breath of, of relief here. Let's, I'll just clean up tomorrow. Who cares about if it's a mess? Just lock the doors and let me go to bed. Well, the guest speaker's there, so you're obligated now to take him out to eat. Well, I like food. I mean, foods, I mean, you can tell that I like food. And food's a good thing. But I don't really want to go out to eat. It's 9.30 at night. And I'm ready to get my kids and go home. Me and my wife are in two separate cars. I say, babe, you, you go on. I don't want her to have to take all three. Because remember, we're still learning to be a dad of now the three kids. So I said, just take the boys with you. I'll take Eliza with me. No, I didn't leave her at the church. We're getting to that point in, in just a minute where, where I did something I wished I had never done. So the boys are with Megan and they go and I stay around and wait for her because everybody likes to talk when church is over. And they're all talking and I'm cleaning up and I'm locking the doors and I grab Eliza and I go get in our SUV there at the time and, and I go and we hop in the, uh, the truck. She's worn out too and she's finally asleep. Have you ever noticed that when you have young children they always sleep when you don't want them to? Am I okay? And then the, the, times, the times that they don't sleep are the times you really wish that they would, okay? So we're in the car. We're driving there to go out to eat. We're going to eat at Longhorn, and she's asleep. So it's quiet in the car. It's as if she wasn't even there. So we get to Longhorn. You know where I'm going with this. And so I get out of the car. I walk inside. I give my boys a nice big hug, and Megan's like, where's Ellie? I got to go back and get her. She's still in the truck. Okay, I, I left her in the truck. I did. And I felt so bad that I left her in the truck. But that's what happens when you are just exhausted. When, you're, when, when, you, when you are emotionally drained and you've got nothing else to give, you miss things that you normally wouldn't miss. You do things that are out of character. There's just Things aren't always right. And you're tired and you're overwhelmed and you're sleep deprived. And I had seriously felt like in that moment that I had failed. That I failed as a dad because my girl's now, she was asleep so she doesn't know that I left her and we're not telling her, okay. But I, I left her in the truck and I felt bad about it. It's that feeling of being overwhelmed. 
I don't know if I can handle this. And maybe for you, it's there's not enough time in a day. Maybe there's not enough time to get everything done. You rush out of the house getting some food and your kids. You get them to school. You get to work on time. You do two people's jobs in one day. And after work, you rush home. You get your three kids. You put them in the car. The first one has a dance class. The next one has a baseball practice. And you're running back and forth between all these things. And then when it's all done, you go to your favorite restaurant and you pick up food and you don't even worry what's inside the bag. You just grab the bag and you go home just to realize that the right order is not in there. But you're too tired to go back and get it fixed. You're overwhelmed. You're doing too many things. You realize something isn't right. There's just too much. Maybe it's money. Maybe for you it's that gut pit feeling in your stomach as you walk to the mailbox every time because there's already been more month than there's been money and that dread emotion that comes over you you're afraid you open up the mailbox and there's going to be a bill there that you did not expect there's something in there that, and, and then you see it and it's that feeling I'm overwhelmed maybe it's your marriage today can I speak honestly this morning maybe the loving caring relationship sounds awesome but to be honest You're just ready for one day where there's no complaining. Something isn't right and you're overwhelmed. There's something going on in each other. And and, 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 and some of you are saying this morning, Pastor, that's me. There's times where I feel overwhelmed. There's times where I feel overwhelmed. And can I say, welcome to life. Because it happens to all of us. And I'm not saying this is not a message this morning on how not to be overwhelmed. It's simply a message on how to deal with it if it comes. And I want to take you to scripture today in Luke chapter 17. We're going to start in verse number 11. I'll give you just a second to get there today. Luke chapter 17. We're going to talk about a situation where 10 men who understood what it felt like to be overwhelmed. And we're going to unpack this passage today. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse number 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Other translations in the Bible say, have mercy on us. So we're introduced here to the story of ten men who understood what it was to feel overwhelmed. It was these ten men because they, the, 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 the overwhelmed The overwhelming emotion they had was every single day that they were alive, they were overwhelmed in their body. They had leprosy. It's an infection, a disease that doesn't show up in symptoms for five to ten years after you get it. And once it does, your nervous system is attacked and you begin to lose all feeling all uh, the ability to do things with your hands and feet, you lose that and you can't do it anymore. Your, your nose swells up, your eyeballs swell, your eyebrows swell, your ears swell, your feet swell, your hands swell. And those things begin to die and they decompose and they rot off and there is no cure. 
There is no cure for this. So in their body, they had felt overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed in their body. They're also overwhelmed relationally. Because there is no cure, all they could do in, in, in that day and time was to remove them and to put them outside the town so they could no longer touch the face of anybody that they loved. They can't touch their wives anymore. They can't touch their kids anymore. They, they can't be around anybody. They were separated from everybody that they cared about. So relationally, they were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed in, 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 in their money because they had to beg. They couldn't work because of how sick that they were. They had no, no, no ability to get up and, and walk to work every day. So what they had to do outside the town was to beg for everything that they had. So they, and, and, and I probably can assume, they wished that they could have a job. They wished that they could do things to be able to make money. But they couldn't because of how sick that they were. They were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed spiritually because they couldn't go to church to worship God alongside their friends because they were said to be unclean. And if you were unclean, you couldn't enter the temple. So they had everything going wrong with them. They could not do a single thing about the situation that they were in. They were overwhelmed. But with everything going wrong in their life, there was one thing that they had going right. And it was the fact that they had an experience with Jesus. They were able to have an experience with the only one who could heal, the only one who could deliver them out of their leprosy. So here's what happened. What, what, do, what do we do? As we go on in this passage, the number one thing that you must do when you feel overwhelmed is you must choose to be in the best place. Now, what do I mean by that, Pastor? We choose to be in the best place because it's impossible to live right when you're in the wrong place. So we're going to choose to go to where I should go. I'm going to let you in on a little pastor's secret here, okay? And I'm going to tell you what this place is. I talk to a lot of people who are overwhelmed. Maybe their health, their job, their kids. And, and every pastoral advice that I speak into them starts with the same exact thing. Are you in church? You need to participate, not just go to church, but actively serve in your church. Participate in church. What, what am I saying? Choose to be in the right place. You see, church is not supposed to be this passive thing. It's a thing where it's an active pursuit to come and to actively worship God. It's not a place where I come and just sit in a seat and allow people to just sing songs that just come off my ears. But rather, it's a place where I come and take in with the worship and praise along with the worship. And I'm not just sitting there, but I'm actively pursuing Jesus Christ. We come to church to be in transformational relationship with others. And it begins to change who we are at our core. So what do we do when we feel overwhelmed? We choose to be in church. No matter how hard it is and no matter how hard it is to get up and to get dressed and to get the kids ready, get them breakfast, get in the car, got to stop and get gas. No matter what, what happens that morning, always come to be in church I heard a story of a husband and wife and their children taking a camping trip they all got out in their canoes about eight miles in this canoe float they're having a great time but the river made a hard turn right 
And when it did, the water speed began to pick up. And it was a rapid at this point. And, but there was a problem. And the problem was the tree had come down in a storm. It had come across this river. So there's this partially submerged tree in the middle of a rapid. Which if you've ever been white water rafting. If you've ever been in a canoe. If you've ever been in a raft. You know that that's a dangerous situation. So they travel down the river and they get stuck on this tree. They don't know what to do, but then the current begins to, to pull them against the tree and they get stuck on this tree and, and, and the current begins to build against their canoe and it slowly starts to rotate until eventually the water comes over the side and the water begins to overwhelm the sides of the boat. And now they're taking on water. And what happens is the canoe flips and they begin to fall. And all the laughter that they had before now turns to screaming. Because now they're in a situation that if not handled right now, it could be dangerous and even deadly. So what happens is they, the story goes on that they reach out to grab their life jacket because they weren't wearing it. They thought, well, this is just a... Uh, a short little calm canoe ride. They weren't expecting the tree to be down in the river. They weren't expecting the, the water to be higher than normal. So there was this this um, this a rapid, dangerous situation to be in. So so they're not wearing their life jacket, and you have to understand at this point it's a little bit late to be grabbing it. They're not wearing their life jacket, so they begin to drown, trying to grab it just to stay above water. And every single one of you are listening to this story and saying it would have been wise for them to put it on before they even got in the boat. And let me tell you something, you're exactly right. But I see it in church every single day of our lives. We wait until the water is over the edge of the boat before we grab the life jacket. We wait, we wait until that time where we can't take it anymore. We wait until we're overwhelmed to reach the very thing that could save us. And I'm telling you this morning, the church exists to be a life jacket. Jesus exists to be a life jacket. And when you are out of church and you're not doing what you should be, you are going out into rapids without any help. And I'm telling you, if you want to be saved, when you, have, when, you, when you have this emotion of being overwhelmed inside your body, I'm telling you, grab your life jacket, get into church. Here's the good news for you today, okay? If this is your first time here, thank you for being here. We're so glad that you're here. If you've been here 25 years, participate in church. Be a part of church. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us, don't give up your meeting together. It says not to neglect it, not to miss it, as some are in the habit of doing. But what? Encourage one another all the more as you see the days approaching. What's it saying is there's coming a day when that trumpet will sound and those that are here on earth will be lifted to him up in the air. And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you're going to be one of the ones that go up there with him. But I'm telling you, there is coming a day of judgment that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, that when that trumpet sounds you will be left and I don't want to be all that doom and gloom type preacher but I'm telling you I'm tired of trying to sugarcoat this thing it's time that as a church we speak the truth and I'm telling you you have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior because if you don't there's a day coming that you do not want to meet I'm telling you, if you're overwhelmed this morning, grab your life jacket. Get back in church. Ask Jesus to be in your heart because that's He is the only way. 
You hear me this morning? He is the only way. Church attendance is not a modern issue. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Do you know that's what church is supposed to be about? Church is supposed to be a place where we come and encourage each other. Where we always hear positive words. That nobody talks behind each other's back. Nobody's trying to gossip. Nobody's lying about this or lying about that. But rather it's a place where we encourage. That's what church is supposed to be. These ten men are going to choose the right place to be. How do I know that? Because the next scripture within this passage says this. When he saw them, talking about Jesus, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Meaning, go to church. Go show yourself to the priest. And I love this next part. And as they went, there was not some special service. As they went, they were cleansed. He looked at them. Jesus looked at these men. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. I don't want you to miss that. Go show yourself to the priest. What did Jesus do? He said, go to church. He said, don't don't ever underestimate what God can do with you when you're in his house on a regular basis. He says, go to church. Next it says, as they went... They were cleansed of their leprosy. Now I want you to catch this. If this was me, and I want to prove to everybody how powerful that I am, I might get all the lepers together. I might line them up in a row. I might grab my anointing oil. I might ask somebody to come behind them. I might take my oil and I might lay them out so they might be saved and everybody just rejoice and praise. But that's not what Jesus did. He said it's not about a show. He said it's not about me. It's about the healing power of God above in heaven. So as they went, they did an ordinary, normal thing. There was nothing extraordinary about what they did. These ten men were crying out on the edge of town. And as they went, they were healed. They started putting one foot in front of the other. And as they did the most ordinary thing that they could possibly do, God brought healing into their lives. It wasn't a spectacle. Jesus didn't say, look at me. You see, when I pray for healing in my own life, what I often pray for is something of the miraculous to happen. And yet what I've experienced when I, knowing Jesus Christ and what I've seen as a pastor is this, is that sometimes God does the extraordinary in your life. God does. He can, but sometimes he does the ordinary and he uses the ordinary to bring healing inside of your body. And let me tell you something, the ordinary is just as powerful as the extraordinary. Obey Jesus. Here's what it may look like for you. I'm feeling overwhelmed in my marriage, God. I can't do it any longer. I can't take it anymore. And yet you make a choice that as you go, that as you go, they were healed. That as you go, you're going to take one step ahead of another. I'm going to get up today. I'm going to make the right choice. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to put the needs of somebody else before me. I'm going to serve them like Christ served the church. And then what happens? The very ordinary thing of doing what you should do, God begins to send healing inside your life. When you do the ordinary, as they went, they were healed. And yet, here's what's crazy about this story, okay? The healing was great. 
It was extraordinary. They did ordinary, but God did the extraordinary. But let me tell you something. That's not the most amazing part of this story to me. Here, it's, it's, it, it, it's not the, the thing that I look at the most. It's, it's, it's as they went, I understand they were healed and Jesus cleansed them of their leprosy. But I want you to notice something else. The climax of the story is their response to the miracle. I want you to see what it says in this next verse. One of them. Well, I thought he healed ten. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Only one of them did, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And what's it say? He was a what? A Samaritan. It says one of them. There were ten. And it says when the one saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouted praises to God. He recognized that his healing came from God. He shouts praises to him. And then he fell at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And he was a Samaritan, meaning he wasn't Jewish. He was half-Jew. They called him a half-breed. So if there was anybody that probably was expected to maybe not return to thank Jesus, it was him. He wasn't Jesus' blood. He was a Samaritan. But yet he was the one that came back and gave God praise, gave him thanks for what he did. But your questions are the same as my questions. What happened to the other nine? I thought that there were ten. It says only one of them. This, there, there was only one, and Jesus had the same questions. Look at what it says. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? This is Jesus here. Where are the other nine? No one has returned to give praise except this man. Huh. Then he said to him, rise and go for your faith has made you well. Where are the other nine? No, has no one returned to give glory to God except for this Samaritan? The least likely of them all. And yet Jesus looks at this man in his faith and said, rise and go for your faith has made you well. Your faith has literally saved you. I might have healed you, but your faith has saved you. He, he had already experienced the healing inside his body. And now he has experienced whole life spiritual healing. Yet we still have the questions, where are the other nine? Have you ever noticed that two people can look at the same thing and see something completely different. Two people can look at the same thing and see two completely different things. Why? It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. You see, because when the nine looked and saw that they were healed, they saw it as, well, my blessing came. Now it's time for me to go about my, my, my day. But when the Samaritan got his healing, he said, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. He made it personal inside his life. You see, when the nine saw that they were healed, it was like, well, we have been healed. But when that one found out, he said, thank you, God, for restoring my body. When the nine said that they had been healed... 
their life, their old life had been restored. But when the one he gave thanks and praise to God, because I am better off today because my Messiah has come and made me well. Let me tell you something. I don't want to be about those nine who take it for granted what God did. But I want to be about that one who choose to see perspective, who choose to see what God really did in my life. Come on, somebody. It was personal to him. You see, how can two people look at the same thing and see something completely different? Because where you sit determines what you see. And when you sit at the foot of the cross, you can't help but to see Jesus work in your world. It's a matter of perspective. Where you sit determines what you see. What should you do when you're overwhelmed? Number one, get to the right place. Get back to church. Number two, choose the right perspective. See what God wants you to see. There's a story about an, in, in, about an NBA coach. Coached here in OKC for a while. Monty Williams. Great, great coach. But tragedy struck his home. Some of you in here probably know the story of what happened to him. He found out his wife had passed, was in a wreck. And the Oklahoman reported in 2016 said Ingrid Williams was involved in a car crash Tuesday night in Oklahoma City. When she was hit head-on by a car that crossed over the center lane, she was taken to a hospital, died Wednesday evening from injuries, suffering, suffered in the crash. The driver of the other car was also pronounced dead at the scene. It dominated the news. Head coaches were speaking out on behalf of, of Monty, who had just lost his wife. Other NBA players had come out and did interviews on how much she had meant to them. And it was, it was it just, but remember, perspective. So it came time for the funeral for the funeral. And Monty Williams got up to speak. And I want you to hear what he said. I'm thankful. Perspective. I'm thankful for all the people who showed up today. It's a pretty tough time, not just for me, but for all of you as well. I'm mindful of that. This is hard for me because, remember, having the right perspective doesn't make it easier but it sets you up for your win. Okay, hear what, hear, hear, hear what he said. This is hard for me, but this will work out. And my wife would punch me today if I were to sit up here and whine about what's going on. That doesn't take away the pain, but it will work out because God causes all things to work out. You just can't quit. You just can't give in. Let us not forget there were two people in this. Our family needs prayers, but pray for them too. Perspective. He could have held a grudge. He could have been angry. He, he could have been upset. And he could have denounced them from wherever he was at and said, only pray for my wife. But he said, there's two people involved in this. And I need prayer. This is hard. But let's not forget that they need prayer too. It's a matter of perspective. I look at my life and I ask questions. Why did I get sick? Why did I go 21 days in the hospital? Why did I go seven days in ICU? Why did the doctor tell me that I'm not going to live anymore? Why did I endure that pain? Why did I endure heartbreak? Why did that person do that to me? Why did I lose a job? And I could go on and on and on about why, 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 why. But God says don't look at your why. Look at your perspective. Because there's somewhere that I'm taking you. There's somewhere that I need you to be. You might.
might not can see it yet, but I've got to take you somewhere, maybe through just a little bit of pain, so that when you get to that place, what was blocked before now becomes clear sight. You see, God wants us to take us somewhere. Can you come here for just a minute? Seth, can, can you come here? I w- want to show you this, okay? Seth, I want you to walk right back there. I want you to stand right here. God wants me to get to Seth, right? He wants me to get there. I've seen it. I've had dreams about it. I've had visions about it. I've been praying about it. God said my promise is over there. But too many things happen in life where I say, but I can't see it. I can't see it. There's something blocking me. And I can sit here, Hannah, and I can be discouraged, and I can be upset, and I can give up, and I can give in. Because I've been praying for far too long for this purpose not to come through. But I'm standing here, and I can't see it, and I get upset. But then God allows me to go through some pain. It's not where I wanted to go, but he takes me off course just a little bit. But see what happens when I get there, and I, and, I, and, and I understand that Jesus is the only thing that I can live on, that I have to have him in my life. When he takes me to a different place, that which was blocked before, now I can see clearly. It's about perspective. It's about perspective. Okay, you guys can have a seat. Perspective. You might think something is blocked from you now, but don't take the season that you're in as punishment. Because I had to realize that God is not taking me through this to hurt me, but he's allowing me to go through this to teach me. And when he's taught me what I need to learn, then I can see more clearly where it is that he wants me to go. Perspective. How can a man like Coach Monty give forgiveness in a situation like that? It's because they've chosen the best perspective. And understand this, where you sit determines what you see. And when you sit at the foot of the cross and everything about you evolves around Jesus and your prayer time is up to where it needs to be and your church attendance is where it should be and your personal devotion to Him is where it needs to be, let me tell you something, you will find Jesus. What does heavenly perspective look like? In Isaiah, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me tell you something. Jesus does things in my life that I could have easily said, man, I could have got there but done it a completely different way. I didn't have to deal with all that, did I? And he said, yes, because you don't understand what I'm protecting you from. You don't understand what I'm instilling inside of you. The virtues that you now have. The character that you now have because I allowed you to go through what you went through. You don't understand my ways. And guess what? You don't have to understand my ways. You just know that I am above everything else. And I know what's best for you. Change your perspective. It's not a woe is me. I'm dying. It's thank you, Lord, for letting me go through this. Teach me what I need to know as quick as I can so I can move on to where you want me to go. It's about perspective. What do I know about perspective? Having the best perspective may not change the circumstance. But it will change what you see in your circumstance. What do we do when you're overwhelmed? 
You choose to be in the best place. You choose to have the best perspective. And number three, you choose the best priorities. We choose the best place. We choose the best perspective. But we've got to choose the best priorities because where you sit may determine what you see, but what you see will determine who you will be. Your perspective will determine the priorities that you'll live out in your life. And as a follower of Christ, I understand pretty clearly what my priorities are called to be, that I'm called to serve God first and foremost. That I'm telling you, Brother David, my relationship with God is the first thing that I have to, that I have to tend to. It is by far the most important thing in my life is making sure that my life is right with God. And number two, Seth, the next thing I've got to do is I've got to love my wife like Christ loved his church. I've got to take care of her and give, and, and, and give her everything that she needs. I've got to love my kids. I've got to take care of my kids. And then I have to love on God's people that he's blessed me with. You see, what an amazing blessing it is to be at a church that allows me to be a devoted Christian and to love my spouse and my kids before the church. And that is the biblical example of the way things should be. I love this church and I love these people and I would take a bullet for anybody in here. I want you to know that whether you've been here one time or been here your entire life, I would take a bullet for you. Jesus loves you, so I do too. But let me tell you something. My relationship with Jesus and my wife and kids come before anything else. Amen. I have to have the right priorities in my life. I have a great mom. My mom's great. She might be watching online. Hey, mom, I love you. You're awesome. You know, growing up as a child... I'd have many talks with mom, whether it be around the kitchen table or in the living room or in my bedroom or wherever it might be. And she would say something along the lines, Chris, I love you. And then she'd say, but. And you're laughing because you've had a mom that did the same thing to you. You said, I love you, but. And usually when you heard that kind of pre-speech you knew that something was coming, that she's about to knock you down on to, to ground to zero and let you know what you've been doing wrong. I, she's a great mom, and, but she'd say, son, I love you, son. You're great. You make us proud. But then she'd say, but there's something we need to work on. And I'm going to tell you something. As a follower of Christ, as somebody who loves my wife, who loves my kids, but also somebody who loves his church. I have to say, church, I love you. But we've got to get the right things right. Can I say that this morning? God, I'm passionate about this. I want to see God move so much, Miss Connie. I want to see God move. I want to see God move. But we got to get the right things right. The first thing's got to be first. Our relationship with Jesus has got to be first. We've got to give to God like he commands his church to give. We have to love people like he commands his church to love. We have to serve people like God has commanded us to serve. Before I tend to the needs of myself, before I get my wants over the needs of others, I have to understand that my relationship, your relationship, always has to come 
first. You will be overwhelmed in this life. You will have moments where you feel like you can't take it. And don't give me that hogwash that God will never give you more than you can handle. Where does that say it? It doesn't say that in the Bible. I've read the Bible. It doesn't say that. I think sometimes God does give us more than we can handle to make us trust Him. You will be overwhelmed. It's not the overwhelming emotion that determines who you are. It's how you deal with it. It's the character it takes to overcome that emotion where I realize that I might be tired and what happens, church, is, is, is hear my heart. What happens is, well, I just don't have time today, so the first thing that goes is church. Well, I've worked all week long. I'm tired. I need Saturday and Sunday off. No, you don't. I'm here to tell you, no, you don't. What you need is you need to be in a place that will encourage you. You need to be in a place that will build you up. You need to be here. You need to be here. And when you're out of town on, 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 on vacation, when you're at the lake, when you're doing the things you enjoy, do it. I love those things too. I love it. Trust me. I, there's times where I wish that I was out on the lake. But don't miss church. You need to be in church. Hear my heart today. You need to be here. You need to choose the right perspective. You need to look at things like God would have them, that God would see them. He's not doing this to hurt me, but rather to teach me. And then get your priorities right. Joshua chapter 24, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. I have a bunch of them, by the way. (laughs) He stands before the people of Israel. Chosen people of God. And he says, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day. But what's he saying? I love it. He says, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. That's it. That's it, guys. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Is that your prayer? Is that, is, is, that, is that you too? Have we made that a declaration that, you know what, things happen. I go play sports. I go take my kids here and there. That's all great. But as for me and my house, nothing comes before. I will serve the Lord. You say, Pastor, you're passionate about this. I say, I say you better believe that I am. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm tired of playing patty cake. It's time that we get real about this. The devil don't want you alive. He don't want you serving him. He wants you discouraged. He wants you upset. He wants you to gossip. He wants you to talk behind each other's back. He wants you to do all that stuff. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But what the Bible tells me is that my God comes to give you life. And so that you would have it, what? More abundantly. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you, when you feel overwhelmed, there's moments where you're going to feel it. But I'm telling you what, if you'll get your perspective right, if you'll choose to be in the right place, and your priorities will be where you need to be, then you can overcome any attack that the enemy comes at you with. You hear me this morning? I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about this. God help us. God help us. Am I perfect? 
I'd like to think I am, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not. Absolutely not. Will I mess up? Will I mess things up? Will I miss things? Will I do things that, you know, I, I yes. Yes. I'm not perfect. I'm not. But the grace of God saves me. And His mercies, what's the Bible say, are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. I had an amazing opportunity not too long ago to lead somebody to Christ. I'm telling you, don't take those moments for granted. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm telling you, I was busy that day. Had no plans to do anything else other than what I did. But the opportunity came, and even as overwhelmed as I was, I said, I've got to go. I've got to answer the call. When you're overwhelmed, I don't know who I'm speaking to, so I can have some music. You know what, let's do something different. Seth, can you come play the guitar softly? Jesus, help me this morning. God, help me. This is not a message on how to not be overwhelmed. Need you to understand that. It's a message simply how to deal with it if it comes. My prayer for you this morning is this. That you might feel overwhelmed because the reality is every single one of us are like those lepers. At some point we're separated from God, not by disease, but maybe because of sin. We're separated from God and at some point Jesus looked at us and he said, as you went, you are healed. You are forgiven. You are saved. But there's somebody in here. It might be one. It might be many. I don't know why God asked me to preach this today. Maybe it was for me because I've been overwhelmed. Things easily pile on. But I'm telling you, with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, you say, Pastor, I'm overwhelmed. But I don't want to be overwhelmed by the things of this world. I want to be overwhelmed by your grace. I want to be overwhelmed by your love. I want to be overwhelmed by your power inside of me. I want to be overwhelmed by your spirit. You say, Pastor, I have been overwhelmed by things that I have been doing, by duties that I've had to do, by chores that I've had, by jobs that I've had. I'm just overwhelmed, and I need you to overwhelm me with your peace and with your mercy and with your love. Would you slip your hand up? My goodness, hands all over this place. Seven, eight, nine hands. Wow. Would you allow me an opportunity to pray with you this morning? Would you allow me to, when I lay hands on you, it's not some spiritual magic wand potion. No, it's, it's I am agreeing with you that Jesus, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, can come meet you right where you are. There is no sense in being overwhelmed by things of this world, but rather be overwhelmed by His love. Be overwhelmed by His goodness.